Welcome to Paytech Talk, the podcast about payments. Enjoy the show. So, chat GTP, it's so hard. GPT. GPT, 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 yeah. It's all over the news for like the past few months, you know, Elon Musk, he's like, it's a public danger. Everyone has like an opinion piece about it, about what you can do, what you can't do. You can write stuff, you can check code, you can, I don't know, arrange your trips. I mean, there's so many things you can do with it. But the thing is like, there's just so much noise that we wanted to kind of step back and see like, hmm, what is it actually doing? What is it? And especially since this is a payments podcast, because a couple payments companies are using it to kind of like situate all of this, give it some context. So that's why we have you, Angelique Schelte, on the podcast. So introduce yourself and explain, just give us a rundown of your very long and impressive CV. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for having me. And uh, how long do we have? Because then. <laughs> <laughs> no, hi, uh, Angelique. Um, I've been in the financial services industry for decades. Three decades, and it's basically that uh, technology has driven me from when I was very young. You know, I was always playing with technical tools mm-hmm. and with the uh, gaming computer. So I've always lo- wanted to know how things work. And um, for ten years, I spent building the first core banking platform in the world, Open, and we were the first one actually ever to migrate someone to the cloud. Um, it took us nine months just negotiating with the Dutch Central Bank and AWS to get approval. And then we build, we uh, migrated uh, billions of euros. So tech has been in my past for, for so, so long, um, and also being the first to do something with tech. Impressive. And well, of course, uh, low code, no code came, came next. That was also a big part of my career, uh, that all of a sudden everybody can make an application. And the next thing is artificial intelligence. So I actually joined uh, Remy Healing on a trip to the US. We went to Seattle in the Bay Area. We visited over 40 different uh, companies to learn about how they use AI. And one of them was OpenAI. So that was pretty exciting. And I think that's also the reason that we're having this chat today. And at this moment, what keeps me up is my new startup called 10X. And it's a fractional work platform soon to launch. Thank you for sharing that (laughs) with us. Very good summary of what could have been really a really long explanation. Yeah, (laughs) I could redo and then we can (laughs) talk forever. Okay, so I think we're all curious to find out since you are quite the AI expert, uh, what your definition of generative AI would be. Well, I think the most simplest version is regular AI can draw a conclusion based on data and an instruction it's already Mm -hmm. been given. And generative AI is, it can create something new and that wasn't there yet and that has been trained extensively. So, and that's the unique part because it's something new. It's not something that we predefined, a predefined outcome or predefined instruction, Mm -hmm. which makes it so supernatural. And I think that's also one of the reasons combined with UI and UX that it took off so massively. Ooh, very good answer. So this is obviously different from, they say, normal AI because it can predict and it can go forward instead of just kind of backward looking. So obviously this is a data play too. So like in these models, especially with ChatGPT, where does it get its data from? Because you have to have stuff to put in because, you know, trash in, trash out. But like, where does the, not trash, but where does the (laughs) input come from? 
Yeah, it's super interesting. I think it's still a little mm. bit murky, but some research okay. papers have been published. And as I understand now, uh, ChatGPT has been trained on five different sources. And I'll just mention a couple of them. The most common known, and even if you ask ChatGPT, it will give you this answer, is Common Crawl. And that's an organization. It's been launched uh, over a decade ago, and it just scrapes the internet, all the websites that okay. are public. And it scrapes, it learns, but it also deduplicates information and actually qualifies it. So that's a big source for ChatGPT and also the answer that most people know. Then a second source is what a lot of people don't know is Books One. It's a huge library. Have you ever heard of it? No. no. It's, a, it's a library of unpublished novels. And why does it scrape that? It's basically to train how the, is text and written content created and structured. So how's the build up? How do you build off a sentence? And because ChatGPT is so natural to interact mm -hmm. with, this is a great source for, for the tool um, to actually learn how do I give back an answer. And then I'll give you one more uh, training source, and that's also the cause of a lot of bias. It's actually the English Wikipedia. Ooh. But do you know that Wikipedia, only 20% of the contributors are women? Really? Yes. Oh. So that means that the data is inherently biased. It's yeah. not a conscious uh, decision or it's not mm -hmm. deliberate, but it's just a fact. Um, so one, that means that the underlying data, there is a big bias in it, even in the websites, but also in, in the Wikipedia and in the novels. So that is a huge challenge we have to focus on. But that's also an opportunity. Um, one of the big tips I always give companies nowadays a lot of people invest in SEA, SEO. Right. Mm -hmm. Great, do that, costing you a lot of money. But is your Wikipedia page in, in order? Because that's the, one of the sources of ChatGPT. If you want to end up in the answers of ChatGPT, my golden tip would be get your products on Wikipedia in English. In English, okay, wow. I would have never thought of that. No. <laughs> Not in a million years. That's so interesting. So recently, Klarna and Stripe, which are payments platforms, have been using ChatGPT and AI. I know because of Klarna's recent announcement that their service is an extension on ChatGPT, but it's for Klarna, for automated shopping assistant. You can ask, basically, if you have to get a present for your mom who loves a certain thing, you'll ask it and it'll give you answers that maybe you wouldn't come up with yourself and if you need to cater yep. it a certain way, you can continue to do that. But how does this differ from a normal chatbot sort of function? Yeah, I think if you look at a normal chatbot, um, well, first of all, we all ignore them. They were <laughs> awful. They were awful. Good you, point. Your enough. stress levels would actually go up yeah. if you saw the thing pop up, you're like, go away, leave me alone. Yes. So I think that's that's number one. So number two is if you look where is it different, it, it gives you contextualized results that are relevant to you. So it's not generically pre-programmed. It's learning on how you serve, what you find interesting on your brief. So that is the biggest difference. It's like the, the hyper-customization that will make it relevant to you. Right. Which, of course, reduces your stress level. <laughs> yes, definitely. Right. And that's like brilliant for a company like Klarna that seems to create like their own sort of shopping ecosystem because mm -hmm. now they have the app now they have the plugin where you can search which probably i'm assuming it would prefer its own vendors of course when suggesting items as opposed to vendors that aren't on klarna and i guess that would be an incentive for a vendor who's not on klarna to 
get of on course, Klarna. get on Klarna, so it can be one of the, I don't know, half a million companies that they search at the same time. And it's definitely interesting coming from a payments perspective about kind of how quick, you know, a lot of payments platforms really aim to make it easier for people to check out yeah. because the quicker people check out, the less they think about it. Um, <laughs> so also, like, the less you have to think about the product that you're buying, the quicker you can get to check out and the quicker that you can pay and the quicker that the whole cycle just continues. It's, it's yeah, interesting. A hundred percent. And I'm curious to see what indeed will happen with regulations because, of course, now even on... Instagram, you have to flag if you're being paid. Oh, so yes. if it's a paid proposal or paid uh, ad, so what will happen if the chatbot gives you something and indeed, Elliot, as you're saying, like, hey, it has to propose one of the products that's already, that, right. that has a relationship. So how will that work? Will that then be a a, a note like this, this ad has been sponsored by blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So how will that work? It's interesting to see also how regulation will catch up. Yeah, that's that's, fascinating, uh, that's tricky because regulations usually always behind it anyway. Yes, yeah. and then all of a sudden they come with these huge stickers like warning, warning, yeah. take care. This yeah, is like a little icon at the bottom <laughs> and everything like that. Speaking of Instagram, though, I was actually like scrolling through this morning and there was um, one of the news articles and they were saying kind of how to check if certain things are generated by AI or generated yeah. by ChatGPT or or anything and like how you can really tell. Because I know a few weeks back, this is kind of more of a humorous one, a uh, bit off topic, but there was a photo going around of the Pope in like a Balenciaga right, yeah. jacket or something, some giant puffer, yeah. and people really thought that it was real. Yeah. Um, and it took a lot of people being like, nope, that's you know computer generated, AI generated. Um, so I agree, it will be interesting to see how they'll regulate it to make sure things are factual. Hundred percent. Well, I'm I'm a I'm a Trekkie, so I love Star Trek. So it, my recommendation would also watch the most recent season three Picard, because it's basically about how do you recognize something is human or something else. But I'm not good doing a, a spoiler alert. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. To get back to your background in Ofen and uh, in cloud cloud native core banking, I know that especially in the on the banking side like AI is more and more being used to present prevent fraud mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about that like how does it fit in because there's so many fraud prevention tools especially at banks right they use tons of different things and they have a lot of problems obviously catching fraud and they pay a lot of money because they're not very good at it because <laughs> AI up to now doesn't seem like it's having a big impact Am I wrong in assuming that in terms of catching fraud? Well, if you catch fraud, you have to be pretty sure. Um, and that's the challenge. You know, humans can make mistakes, but AI can also make mistakes. Right. And because it's so new, they're quite hesitant to, to mass roll it out already. But what I really like about it, so one of my frustrations is in my previous company, I had a card from a certain credit card provider and it imposed rules that they define on me. But for mm -hmm. me, it was complete natural behavior. And then every time I got blocked out out of the transaction and it cost me so much time, I got so frustrated. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about AI, it can actually learn my individual. So again, the hyper customization from me and based on my device, the time, my previous behavior, it can actually make a real time decision on the spot. Should I be able to process this transaction? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. And because it's not stuck to predefined rules that someone else came up with, which is also limited to their imagination, right. it can actually learn from my individual behavior and actually uh, make the decision, push it through or not. 
So I hope that uh, consumers will get a lot less uh, friction with the rules imposed by a financial services institution on a consumer. The challenge, of course, and that's why you're not seeing it being ruled out mass, is that it needs a lot of data to be trained on. Right. It <coughs> needs to make those mistakes. And on which data and which people are we going to allow it to make the mistakes to be able to train? So that's the reason OpenAI pushed it out for free, because it made a lot of mistakes. The previous versions, it was toe-curling. <laughs> um, but now it's getting better and better. But can we do that with money? Right, Making financial services is Who's a bit more. Liable? Right, but Bunk, they had their big lawsuit where they won it, and they're allowed to use it. Is that AI as well? I don't think it's generative AI. Okay. Um, I think they use traditional AI, so pretty fine sets, and I applaud them. I think they rock at <laughs> taking on regulators. That was impressive. Not yeah, I, I think it's it's a huge victory for the industry. Like, you know, if we are in, in an age where we're trying to implement electricity to every day of our life, that's the synonym I mm -hmm. use when uh, we're, where we are at with AI. And Bunk is like stepping on the fence, like, hey, you know, this is something that's not going to go away. We need to be able to use this. Are we going to uh, hold our grounds mm -hmm. and explain why we're going to use it? And they won because you can't stop the world from evolving. No, but that's a good point you you brought up about this sort of generative AI making a lot of mistakes. So that means it's uh, it's going a little bit slower, and it makes sense that regulators would be a sort of ooh like we don't know about this because the mistakes are very costly. Obviously, catching fraud on the one hand, or like having a problem like yours, you're getting blocked out of a card, or somebody not being able to access financial services is the kind of the growing pains that you have to go through. Yeah, and so do you see any dangers in like the recent development of AI? Um, I, I think every new tech has risks and has dangers. It was yeah. 10 years with cloud, you know, a lot of people said cloud is yeah. not safe. Um, well, you're right, if you don't use end-to-end -end encryption mm -hmm. and if you don't encrypt in, uh, data in transit, data to rest, you're absolutely right. But if you use it the right way, then it's liberating, you know, all the on-prem hardware and uh, the OPEX-CAPEX discussion, it's, it's liberating. The same is with AI. Do I agree that it can be a threat? Yes, it can be a huge threat, but you can't stop innovation. So I think that it's good that we think about what kind of regulations do we need? Mm -hmm. And also how do you, uh, for example, reward uh, the underlying data? Because now it's been trained on free data. And I always take a step outside of the industry. So what we've been in finance for so long, but look at artists. You know, the visual AIs uh, who create images, right. yeah. they are trained on existing works of art. Right. But it could not have been trained without the original works of art. But those people are not being rewarded. They're not being paid at this moment. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's also about thinking ahead, like, hey, how are we going to remunerate the people that actually own the data? Can Web3 or decentralization play a role there? So yes, it can be a threat, but to me, there are also other questions that we need to answer. And of course, the question, the example you gave on Instagram, I call it appropriate trust. You know, how can we rely on AI and how can we rely on the output it's given and information that we absorb? Is it true? Is it not true? Is it misinformation? Is it generated by AI? Is it generated by human? Is there a need to make a distinction? So there's so many questions we have to answer. Um, so we better step up the basis. <laughs> yeah, well, that means that we need lots of bright minds like yours to think about these things and ask these questions and be able to get things implemented as well in terms of the regulation policy at the organizational level. So if you can put on your Star Trek hat, since you're a Trekkie, <laughs> what 
do you think like the future of AI has in store? Could be data, you know, or like data from Star Trek. Does that make any sense? <laughs> anyway. Or and like his just continue strive for for humanity. <laughs> exactly, like that that sort of thing. Like what what would you think in your like in an honest like kind of appraisal, given what's going on, what do you what do you think the future of AI lies in? I'm I'm just a simple user, so um, <laughs> um, no, I think the future of AI will be that we are liberated to achieve things that we couldn't achieve before. So if you're dyslectic, all of a sudden you can write books. Look at me. Mm-hmm. If you are want to be a content creator, but you didn't speak a certain language, you can. If you want to create a company, but you don't write software code, you can. So I think it's democratizing content creation and creation in general. But I think that the biggest question we all have to answer, and also what can AI do, is the appropriate trust. So how do we keep trust within human society? Mm -hmm. How do we reward creativity and our own input? Um, So there are so many questions to ask, but I think AI can be extremely dangerous, but it can also be liberating. And because I always think my half glass is half full, I go for the latter. Oh, okay. That's a liberating. It's a very good way to look at this. Very yeah, complex and sort of, I guess now controversial topic. Super controversial. And there are <laughs> pros people supporting and people yeah. uh, against it, as in any development. Mm-hmm. That's what the future is, right? divides <laughs> masses kind of and then you know we have to move into it either way so it's exciting it's like marmite you either hate it or you love it exactly there you go <laughs> and i'm a lover oh really uh, <laughs> i'm on the opposite end yeah of that. i don't know if we can agree on that maybe one maybe it's american thing yeah I don't know. maybe we're yeah. just not used to it as much and then we have it later yeah you know, or like never and never you know yeah i never had yeah. that well angelique thank you for coming uh by and talking to us on Paytech talk about AI, and we probably should do a data episode too, yeah. since <laughs> it keeps coming up. It does. Yeah, it does. we need to do something on data because <laughs> it's a, data runs the world. It does. Data it's is the ultimate anti commodity. Oh, well, okay. Cliffhanger. Wait. No cliffhanger. Wait, wait. Oh, okay. good transition. Anti-com- okay. All right. Uh, for, okay. The net, for another okay. episode. I have questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You've just been listening to Paytech Talk the podcast about payments. Paytech Talk is brought to you by Cognito Amsterdam. Thanks for listening.